This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Let me tell you about Jace Medical. If you've been paying attention to the news uh, lately, drug shortages have hit a new record high uh, in December. Right now, there are 295 vital medications that aren't readily available everywhere that they should be in the United States of America. And, you know, things like that very, very complex and hard to get amoxicillin. Ask yourself, what happens when somebody you love needs one of these medications? May I suggest you get the Jace case. The Jace case is a personalized emergency kit that begins with the five essential antibiotics that treat the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And Jace is continually working to expand their medication offerings. They've just added ivermectin. You can get your family's life-saving medication and have a year's worth of supply on hand in case there's some sort of bad disruption. JaceMedical.com. That's J-A-S-E Medical.com. Call today. Enter the promo code Beck at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code Beck at J-A-S-E Medical.com. All right, the program begins in just a second. Freak, welcome to the program. It is Tuesday, and what a Tuesday it is. We've got a couple of things. First of all, uh, the New York Times has issued a warning uh, that America really needs to understand. The New York Times is coming out against Donald Trump. I know, I know. And they say in the in the op-ed, you know, paraphrasing, uh, that they've, you know, they they... They took a fair and balanced look at Donald Trump, you know, in the first time, uh, first time around. But he's changed, and now he is dangerous. And uh, Americans should know, should know that. Comes as a complete shock to me uh, from the New York Times. Uh, we'll go through that. Oh, oh, and some might say this is how it begins, but I'm not one of those. Um, guess who's commenting on how important this next election is, and? How she's concerned. She just doesn't see, you know, light at the end of the tunnel. It's, uh, yeah, Michelle Obama. Michelle Obama is uh, dipping her toe in just to talk about the primaries a little bit. It's quite fascinating. We begin there in 60 seconds. First, 
Just like the rest of us, dogs need a good dose of nutrition in the food they eat in order to lead a happy and healthy life. And that is especially the case if they're eating kibble food, which has all the nutrients cooked out of it. My dog, Uno, has begun to slow down in his old age, and while it's hard to watch that, I am glad that for the last few years I've been feeding him rough greens and putting that on his food because I think it has given him the best years of his life. Uh, It's not a dog food. It's a supplement developed by naturopathic Dr. Dennis Black that you sprinkle on your dog's food. It's the green stuff. You know, my wife is constantly, eat a salad from time to time. Oh, jeez. Can I put bacon and sugar on it? Anyway, the folks at Rough Greens are so confident that your dog is going to love it. They have a special deal for you. Just go to roughgreens.com slash Beck. Roughgreens.com slash Beck or call 833-GLEN33. They'll give you your first trial bag for free. All you pay for is shipping. Call 833-GLEN33, 833-GLENN33 or roughgreens.com slash Beck. So we find out today uh, at uh, blaze, theblaze.com that um, the Biden campaign has brought a lot of reporters into their campaign headquarters to, well, have an off the record, uh, off the record conversation with the top political reporters and editors. Uh, and they brought them down to um, campaign headquarters in Wilmington, Delaware. And those journalists and editors uh, met with top officials in the campaign, uh, including the advisors and the strategists and even the Biden campaign manager. And the purpose of the meeting was to review media coverage and correct what the campaign believes they're getting wrong. Uh, and uh, that, that sounds normal. Doesn't that sound normal, Stu? That's journalism, Glenn. The that, first thing they teach at day one journalism school is always take meetings with officials that you're supposedly covering and let them uh, come to you and tell you what you should be writing. That's how you yes. do the job. Yeah, it is journalism 101. I think people forget that. Um, but they met with the uh, journalists from the New York Times, Washington Post, Uh, The campaign plans to meet with reporters from Reuters, Bloomberg, NPR, Fox News, The Wall Street Journal, NBC News, ABC, and others in the coming day. I would imagine we're not one of the others um, that they're mentioning here. Uh, But apparently, according to the campaign, it has been very productive, very productive, um, because they, they did point out that not only the White House, but then not just the campaign, but Biden himself has been very frustrated with the media's coverage of the economy. Um, And they're especially concerned about the airtime that uh, polls are giving, uh, given because it shows Biden losing to Donald Trump. And uh, Biden and his campaign told the New York Times and other, they believe the, the media should dedicate more time to his narrative and uh, and also talked about Trump and how he re- represents an existential threat to democracy. Now, I haven't heard that last one from any of those guys. Um, but in a completely unrelated uh, story, the New York Times uh, has come out with a warning about Donald Trump in 2024. They sure have, Glenn. And this is... 
devastating for the president, uh, former President Trump. I yeah. assume he's yeah. probably going to withdraw <laughs> from uh-huh. the entire nomination process today. Yeah, really. This it's is bone crushing. It's bone crushing. It? This is uh-huh. not Glenn. And you might think, well, what an op-ed from one of their writers. No, this no. is the editorial board. That, so that is the New that's York a Times. group of um, independent uh, journalists whose mm. I'm quoting the New York Times whose views are informed by expertise, right? Research, mm-hmm. debate, and certain long-standing values. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, it's that's why we should listen to them. We know the New York Times is the paper of record, all the news that's fit to print, and mm-hmm. they found it to be incredibly important for you to know that they are issuing officially, well, Glenn, and I, if, if you happen to be related to the Trump campaign, you may want to turn this off because just hearing this is going to crush you, but they are issuing an official warning Warning. about donald trump in 2024 now, now this is not the emergency broadcast uh system but uh it would sound a little like this mm-hmm. if we were under attack uh you know and we're following this uh beep this tone now <laughs> with uh official information from the new york times and i if i may just read it verbatim because this is so devastating powerful at the outset of this election year with Donald Trump leading the race to be the Republican presidential nominee, Americans should pause to consider what a second Trump term would mean for our country and the world and to weigh the serious responsibility this election places on their shoulders. Mm. By now, most American voters should have no illusions about who Mr. Trump is. Now, some could say many of... uh, of the same things here about Joe Biden. Um, But uh, I I just don't think most American voters uh, should have uh, any illusions about who Mr. Biden is. You live in your illusions on who Mr. Biden is. But let's talk about Donald Trump. During his many years as a real estate developer and television personality, then as president and as a dominant figure in the Republican Party, Mr. Trump demonstrated a character and a temperament that render him utterly unfit for oh. high office. Oh, yeah. my God. As a TV host. As a TV host. Oh. Yeah. Now, it's interesting to hear about the um, the all-important character of the individual. Uh, for instance, um, you know, he was a real estate developer and television personality. But uh, Joe Biden was a senator and then a vice president. And then a president, so a little more important than a TV guy. Um, But his character led he and his son and his family to take millions of dollars from the Chinese. And I think that's the kind of character that America really needs to take into account and, uh, and go for, you know. As president, the New York Times continues, he wielded power carelessly and often cruelly and put his ego and his personal needs above the interests of his country. Wow. Wow. Now, the guy taking money again from China or Ukraine has not done that. The guy who didn't know that uh, the Secretary of Defense was in ICU for a week certainly didn't wield his power carelessly or cruelly. And, and now, I, hmm? I don't know, are you with me on this? I am. 
I'm surprised. I thought they were open to maybe endorsing Trump this time. I thought they were on the fence. And this seems to be like they've made up their mind that not only will they not endorse Donald Trump at any time during this campaign cycle, but they seem to think he wasn't a good president and would not be a good president in the future. Well, I want you to know, Stu, that this, for the next 60 seconds, this is not a test, but an actual emergency alert from the emergency broadcast uh, system where we are now giving official information from the New York Times. This is indeed a warning. Uh, As president, he wielded his power uh, carelessly, cruelly, personal needs above the interests. But now as he campaigns again, his worst impulses remain as strong as ever. Oh, no. Encouraging violence. Mm, I remember that. Yeah. You remember when oh, he was yeah, encouraging that was big, violence. That was a big yeah. thing. when he, It's uh, a big thing. He advocated he was, the creation of a new Godzilla to crush U.S. cities. I thought that was yeah. over the line, personally. I did, That's, too. I did, too. Uh, and, and he specifically, the banners behind him said, stomp on the power lines and the trains. Right. Which I thought was... <laughs> You know, Over a little lawless. Uh, to me, a little lawless. Kinko shouldn't even print that banner. I mean, that's just me. That's I my know. stance. Yeah, right. Well, he in, he's encouraging violence and lawlessness. Now, I don't know of a president, uh, you know, in the last really uh, almost 20 years that has promoted lawlessness, you know, at all. No, no, no. I mean, I, you, look at our border. I mean, it's the most, it's zipped. Our border, look at our... Our cities are just, they're amazing. I was in uh, West Palm last night having dinner with some friends, and uh, I've never really spent any time in in West Palm Beach. And it's beautiful. But I'm walking down uh, this street, and it is like money central. It's like Rodeo Drive, okay? And I've never been there, and it was just like, wow, the people who live here have a lot of money. And I'm, I'm, I'm driving down the street and I look at my wife and I said, hmm, now there's something different about this compared to Rodeo Drive. And she said, currently? And I said, yeah, currently. Do you know what it might be? And she said, yes, the plywood on the windows doesn't exist here. Hmm. Um, the stores that have taken their names off the stores and moved away because they're there is absolutely no law and order in California. And I said, yeah, I think that might be it. What, what was, what about the human waste? That was still there in Palm Beach. No, right? surprisingly, it wasn't. Huh. No, it wasn't. It was a very nice uh, American city. It was uh, very nice, very nice. Hmm. Uh, and it, it tends to be that way throughout Florida, which I'm trying to figure out what the difference is. But it must be that Donald Trump is uh, no longer in charge because he, again, um, encourages violence and lawlessness. So there's more to this. Uh, We'll get to it in just a second because it's a very important warning. (laughs) We get to that in just a second. First, let me tell you about Legacy Box. When you're walking down memory lane with your kids and grandkids, which you should be doing because it's important for them to know the history of your family. That is so important to know where and who you came from. You really want all those old photos and family videos at your disposal, which means you need to preserve them. And for that, I want you to try Legacy Box. Legacy Box is the industry leader in preserving all of your old family photos, camcorder tapes, VHS tapes, uh, film reels. 
They digitize them in a way that can be easily enjoyed, shared, and organized. They do all of the work here in the United States with a team of over 200 trained technicians. I've used them to preserve my own family's memories. I highly recommend you do that as well. Um, For those of you uh, who will come after and shape the future, you need to know where you came from. You need to know what America was like and our family videos and our, uh, and our photos, all of our records testify to that truth. Please start the process today. It's a new year time to make a resolution that you can keep visit legacybox.com slash records. You'll save 50% off when you preserve your past with legacy box, kick off the new year by rescuing your family's most cherished memories that you haven't watched or enjoyed in years because you probably don't have that device left anymore. Go to LegacyBox.com slash records. That's LegacyBox.com slash records. 10 seconds, station ID. So uh, we're looking now at a, uh, a campaign of Donald Trump, according to the New York Times, where his where he's encouraging violence and lawlessness he's exploiting fear and hate for political gain he's undermining the rule of law did you know that Stu? and the constitution oh, he's no. applauding dictators and i don't mean people like fidel castro i mean he's not really that's a okay dictator. That that's would okay. that would be fine you know, if you did Hugo that chavez that's not bad doing yeah. business with venezuela today that's not bad yeah um and he's uh, and these things are escalating as he tries to regain power and he's plotting retribution intend on eluding the institutional legal and bureaucratic restraints that put limits on him in his first term. Wow. Wow. So the New York Times is letting you know, quote, the purpose at the start of the new year, therefore, is to sound a warning. Uh, Mr. Trump does not offer voters anything anything resembling a normal option of Republican or Democrat, conservative or liberal, big government or small. No, no. The Democrats are, okay, even though the Democrats represent an America where there is no difference between men and women, gender is completely fluid, white people are always racist, Uh, we redistribute the wealth, Uh, it's a Marxist state that is going to eventually turn into uh, something that does not resemble capitalism because it's not capitalism. So they're not offering anything like that. Uh, They're offering just that regular America, you know, that uh, is so constitutional. uh, And, you know, he, he, Donald Trump is confronting an America with far more fateful choice between the continuance of the United States as a nation dedicated to the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity and a man who's proudly shown open disdain for the law and protections and ideals of the constitutions. Wow. I, you know what? I think I'm, I'm really beginning to see Donald Trump for the monster he is. (laughs) And you go on through this op-ed and it's it's much of the same. They talk about how his first four years in the White House did lasting damage to the presidency and the nation. And they go through all that. But then they say the republic, and they first first of all call it a republic, which is actually news. So it's not a democracy. Well, they're talking to they're talking to us, right? Yes, Uh, the republic weathered Mr. Trump's presidency for a variety of reasons. 
his lack of prepared agenda. So he was incompetent and unprepared. Right, the disruption right, of COVID-19. Right. So the COVID, the, the pandemic got in the way. And his appointees who try to temper his most dangerous and unreasonable demands. Most of all, uh, it's it survived because the people and the institutions and his administration and the Republican Party who proved strong enough to stand up to its efforts mm. to undermine the peaceful transfer of power. Mm. Okay, so... You get the point here that like all these things limited him last time and this time he's going to be fully unleashed, which echoes exactly what Donald Trump is saying on the campaign trail. Like he's telling his own voters, hey, I had all these things that got in my way last time. I won't let that happen again. I'm going to do all these wonderful things this time. And you go back at this and you think about, well, what's the reaction of, let's say, Ron DeSantis to this being released? Mm-hmm. Is the answer, is the is the reaction to Ron DeSantis, yay, the New York Times is attacking my opponent and it makes it more <laughs> likely for me to win in Iowa, right, or right. could it possibly be he t- sees it, he reads it on his laptop and then throws his laptop against the wall across the room because- and says, what are, what are you doing, New York Times? You're helping Donald Trump. Exactly. And so you yeah. come to that conclusion, is this- a spectacular failure from the New York Times trying to sink Donald Trump and being pathetic at doing it, or is it an, is it a success, which is giving Donald Trump ammunition to win this primary and then in their eyes eventually be defeated by Joe Biden? A massive, massive risk if you happen to be a Democrat, but one they seem intent on taking. Um, just a fascinating effort here, because whose mind could possibly be changed by this the new york times readers who already think donald trump is hitler are they like wow thank god they gave me a warning i was on the verge of voting for the guy <laughs> or is there anyone well, who, you know, who who this, is, no, this is already is... voting for trump who's just like oh gosh i mean i don't know now the you know the new york times is giving me a warning this play, this establishment that i don't trust and hate with every fiber of my being is telling me this is the wrong thing to do gee what should i do here it's amazing. Now, may I ask, Stu, uh, and I, I, sure, this is a bit cynical, okay. but may I ask that maybe when the New York Times was meeting in Delaware, in Wilmington, and the White House said, you have to paint him as a danger uh, to the country. I mean, what are you doing? You should dedicate more time that Trump represents an existential threat to democracy. And then just a few days later, they write, they write that. I mean, I know that's cynical. Oh, I mean, it's total coincidence. It's total coincidence. Oh, and also, uh, Joe Biden puts Donald Trump in his place, the New York Times, uh, and is Trump hell uh, from the New York Times. So they have a very, very good record here. It's Trump uh, hell. Is he hell? Is, is he, he hell? hell? That's the name is of the. Hell? That's the headline of that's a. The, that of a, is of a piece. Uh, uh-huh. A piece is of something. Hell? I'll tell you that. Uh, it's a piece of something. You're right. Smells like hell. Glenn Beck. Mm. Okay. Let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour. It's uh, Berna. When you absolutely positively uh, have got to kill somebody threatening you and your family, you need a gun. But all, not all situations call for deadly force. And in those cases, what do you do? May I suggest the Berna Launcher? It is a non-lethal alternative to safeguarding your home. 
that will send potential threats running in the opposite direction. It is legal in all 50 states. My wife carries one. Uh, my daughters carry one. My son carries one. You don't need a permit or a background check. Uh, and it can be used by all age groups over 18. The burner launcher is is something that you just have to get within six feet of the person that you're afraid of. And it will launch kinetic rounds or tear gas. And I mean, tear gas is not pepper spray. Spray. This will in- incapacitate an attacker for 40 minutes. It's being used by cops now. You should have one. Burna, B-Y-R-N-A dot com slash Glenn. That's Burna dot com slash Glenn. Get 10% off your purchase now. New documentary from Glenn on Colony Ridge. Don't miss it this week. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. The promo code Colony Ridge. You'll save 30 bucks. Well, to continue our conversation, uh, Pat Gray joins us now from Pat Gray Unleashed, along with our uh, executive producer, Stu Pergeer. Um, You know, Biden has uh, continued his attacks on Donald Trump and his supporters. Now, this is something, again, the New York Times just said that Donald Trump does, but apparently not Joe Biden. But let me just tell you what happened. It is... uh, uh, his speech last night in Charleston, South Carolina, uh, he said that Donald Trump and his supporters uh, are defeated Confederates. Oh, so wait, we would be Democrats? After the Civil War, the defeated Confederates wouldn't accept the verdict of the war. They lost. So they say they embraced what is known as the lost cause, the self-serving lie that civil war was not about slavery, but about state rights. Uh, They call that the noble cause. That was a lie. Yes, Joe, it was a lie. It is really weird, but you would know it best because you're a Democrat. And that was the lie of the Southern Democratic Party. Uh, next, we're living in an era of second lost cause. Once again, there are some in this country trying to turn a loss into a lie, a lie that if allowed to live will once again bring terrible damage to this country. This time, the lie is about the 2020 election. Let me say what others cannot. We must reject political violence in America. I agree, like the Klan, which was an arm of the Democratic Party, or BLM, which is an arm of the Democratic Party, Um, He says always, not sometimes, but always, it's never appropriate. So I would assume that would be like, you know, BLM today. The violence of January 6th was the extension of an old playbook from the threats of violence and intimidation. Now, there was a period there, but I would add uh, just the kind of stuff we were talking about with the Klan which was a uh, a violent arm of the Democrat Party. I just thought I'd throw that in. Hmm. Yeah, I, they, they don't it doesn't get mentioned all that much. Uh, the no. history of these institutions. <laughs> yeah, no, it really it's strange. It it doesn't. Now, um, Michelle Obama came out, and uh, she said she is terrified by what may come out of the twenty twenty four election. Is she yeah. giving a warning 
she's not i mean let me just she's yeah, not no. saying that she's giving a warning about donald trump in 2024 is she yeah she is <gasps> she is that's the same thing the new york she, times did today yeah so she's on this podcast with jay shetty the uh, jay shetty yeah wow of course Good. of course you don't get michelle obama if you're not if you're a different jay shetty oh she says what's going to happen this next election I am terrified about what could possibly happen. That's weird because so am I. Because our leaders matter. Who we select, who speaks for us, who holds that bully pulpit. It affects it affects us in ways sometimes I think people take for granted. Here she is. Listen. The things that yeah. keep me up because you you don't have control over them. Mm-hmm. And you wonder where are people, where are we in this? You know, where are our hearts? What's going to happen in this next election? I am mm. terrified about mm. what could possibly happen because mm-hmm. our leaders matter. Who we mm-hmm. select, who mm-hmm. speaks for us, who mm-hmm. holds that bully pulpit. Mm-hmm. It affects right. us in ways that I, sometimes I think people take for granted. Mm, yeah. Is he wearing yeah. a Snuggie in that interview? He seems to be wearing a, a, a blanket with sleeves. Is it a Snuggie? Is it a Slanket? What is it? Because, uh... <laughs> you know, this is... Because if this you is can do shows in, 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 in Snuggies, I'm going to start doing the show in a Snuggie. I didn't I, know that I was have, allowed. I have to tell you, this is, this is why people put their good money into signing up for Blaze TV. Because they get the kind of deep questions hmm. like Slanket or Snuggie, which is it. I and... Don't. I don't think I've heard anybody else ask that, Stu. Congratulations. Thank you very much, Glenn. That, yeah. Um, she said she uh, she knows too much because she was married to the president who knows everything about everything in the world. Wow. She listed wars in too many regions. Uh, the future of artificial intelligence, the environment, education, whether people will vote. People being too engrossed in their phones as other issues that keep her awake at night. Uh, Then they focus the discussion on what offends her, you know, and many times uh, I've been in conversations and it's turned to that very familiar phrase. I wonder what offends Michelle Obama. Uh, And she spoke about it and she dislikes injustice. (laughs) Thank God somebody does. Uh, She dislikes ego right greed don't you know it and racism she condemned unfairness and bullies um and she also decried childish leadership in which somebody's just base and vulgar and cynical you know she's not cynical the police don't always do you like that white people don't always do you like that that would be cynical uh anyway she says she just wants to resonate good I want to I want to be a face of reason and compassion and empathy. And that's much more important than my feelings, because my feelings, I can take care of those. She's on the road of being a Republican. Listen to that. Her feelings don't matter because she's in charge of those. That's the first progressive Democrat I've ever heard say that. She also talked about, and this is going to come as a surprise to you, about being another. She said, you know, you learn how to be excellent all the time because you can't be less, you know. Uh, And she said, I just find it interesting that some people can be indicted a bunch of times and still run for office 
while black men can't. And huh? I thought of that. I thought of that when uh, her husband won the presidency two times in a row. Uh, I thought, boy, you know, I thought this was a country where a black man can't run uh, for office. And uh, I, I must have been mistaken. It's called but oppression. Apparently, but- it's called oppression. Huh? It's oppression that, yeah. you know, only eight years in the White House. Do you know mm-hmm. that they created that uh, constitutional amendment limiting presidents to two terms just to stop the first black president? That's uh, no, why they did it. Not, mm-hmm. uh, I know. No, it's, it's sad. It's sad. And now it's hard to yeah, believe, it was, but it's true. It was a white guy. That, it's, uh, uh, that they well, he was really our first black president. Um, FDR. Oh, really? FDR? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. All right. He I really didn't was. know that. Mm-hmm. I always thought it was Clinton. No, nah, he was second. But no. No. He was the second black president. Yes. And neither Clinton or FDR were black. But they were. But they, well, it depends on how they identified that particular term. I mean, this he, is the one kind of, his, of... <laughs> one of his terms where he was a black president. And, and one of them, when he was a Native American president, one, well, he was, and he was a, a lesbian woman for one of his terms. Really mm-hmm. strange because his wife was too. <laughs> but anyway, this is the kind of thing that I think she's talking about, mm-hmm. the reason that she could bring to the table. Now, Stu, I mean, that's exactly how I would introduce her to the political process is getting her on some big show like the Jay Shetty show, which is anything but Shetty. You know what I mean? Yeah, the the the, the snuggy guy. This the, yeah. you're gonna put him on a show with a host yeah. that's wearing a snuggie, and that's how you're right. gonna launch the campaign. That's how you do it. Right. Mm-hmm. That's how you do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you know, I know you still think that you know I'm crazy, and I might be crazy for saying that she because she keeps saying she's not interested in it. You know, but wow, she's concerned. And what what kind of person are you uh, that could save the republic? That, that your party would come to you and say, look, he clearly can't run. We can't, we can't start a new campaign right now with anybody else. Uh, and, you know, she might say, well, you've got a great qualified black woman in uh, Kamala Harris. And, I mean, you'd have to say, well, no, we just picked her for color. Um, she's not strong enough to be the president. Everybody hated her, even in our own party. And then she would remember, and then she would go, oh, you you know what? You're right. And I could be probably the only replacement because you can't replace him with another white man if you have a black woman right there on the side of the stage. Well, okay, I care about my country. I don't, my president will run it anyway. To be clear, I don't think you're crazy on this uh, on this theory. I, I think it's plausible, especially if things continue to go b- badly. I mean, you know, you know what Joe Biden's approval rating is right now? <laughs> on average, thirty eight percent. Holy cow! I mean, it's I, that high. <laughs> I really would have thought That's it was shocking. Lower than that. Yeah, it's it high. is. I, I, wow. But like that is down. I mean, he's down from when it was terrible. Like this is this is really ugly. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Wasn't Donald Trump's at like thirty nine? Yeah, Trump's wasn't good either. Trump's always yeah. terrible on, on approval rating, yeah. though, from the moment he walked into office. That was not the right. case with uh, Barack Obama or Joe Biden, and it continues to go right. down for Biden. Things continue to get worse for his candidacy, and of course, he has other limitations that neither of those candidates had, and you know, including a, could- a, an age that starts with an eight. If they if they could just and I mean this sincerely, if they could just shut up or imprison 
anyone that would speak out against his policies or point out that, you know, they're not working for democracy, um, right? For democracy. Okay. Mm-hmm. People would love him. Yeah. If they, if he was the only choice, my belief is he'd get 100% of the vote and that would show real unity in this country. That's how democracy works. Every single person, one man, one vote, one available candidate. That's democracy as it was outlined by our founders. Amen. Amen. Amen, brother. Amen. Amen. So uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I so I don't think your your idea of Michelle Obama making this you know his heroic run is 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 implausible. I don't know that it's the most likely outcome, but I do think yeah, it's, no, it's, it's a possible. long shot. Yeah, it's a long it's a long shot, but it would be it would be one that I think would win the election immediately, unless she went out and she started talking to right. people. That's a- they'd have. They'd have to run it in that very democratic fashion of keeping her under lock and key, you know, kind of like they did with Joe Biden. Just, you know, once in a while she'd appear from the basement. Um, But uh, you couldn't have her actually speaking on her own because she hates America. And it's clear once you start to hear her. Yeah. Can we investigate the uh, investigate that a little bit? Because. I think the assumption is, because if you look at Michelle Obama's approval ratings, for example, occasionally that's polled, and they're very, very good. I mean, they, she's overwhelmingly liked by the American people. Now, I don't understand that myself, but... It's the uh, abs. It's the abs. Uh, the arms. I thought it was the arms. Oh, yeah, the arms. The arms. The arms. Her arms are so biceps. beautiful. Yeah, so whatever it is, she's got good approval ratings. Hang on so- just a second. Hold on. Look, can we just think about her arms for a minute? Just a moment. Man, oh. they were beautiful. Hmm. And they wow. still are, Glenn, in every I way. I miss them. She's miss the most them. beautiful woman in the right. world. Wow. I'm just... Sometimes you just get that... That sense of what that woman really is, you know? All woman. Just hear her roar, you know? And, uh... Sure. Anyway, uh, let me take a quick break, and then you come back to your point on uh, on who she, she who she is and the poll ratings. First, let me tell you, if you are looking for the perfect home buying or selling experience, you know, and you think, ah, it doesn't exist, I want you to call realestateagentsitrust.com. I think you'll be surprised. Everybody knows moving is no fun. I mean, you know, uh, gee, we have to have everybody over for Uncle Al's funeral or I got to move. Uh I'm picking the funeral. I'm picking the funeral, um, especially with Uncle Al, because you know what he was like. Anyway, there's so much that you have to do to get the house ready that you're selling. Um, you have to replace things, paint things, get rid of that weird 1970s wallpaper that you really never got around to removing, things like that. And that doesn't touch everything you have to do on the buying end as well. Sitting down, negotiating, uh, talking about one of the most expensive purchases you can make. It's no joke. You need some, no joke. It's, you need somebody who is really, really good. Folks, folks, no joke. I know who's really good out there. I know. No joke. I'm not joking. Just think it would work because it's been working so well for Bidenomics. Let me try it for real estate agents. I trust.com. The name says it all. Real estate agents. I trust.com. This is the Glenn Beck program.
This is the Glenn Beck Program. So the theory is that Michelle Obama would be a last minute step in for Joe Biden because mm-hmm. she's very, very popular and would, would lead right, right away. Um, Correct. And like there's polling to back that up. Her approval rating usually ranges between 60 and 70 percent overall, despite the fact that half the country didn't like her husband as president. Um, so you'd think, it, you know, she, she you know, but she kind of clears a lot of that, even with some people on the right. She's just this figure. She's the first lady and she's not. She doesn't have that same animus against her as some of the the politicians. So the theory is she steps in and, and wins in the last couple months of the election. But like, number one, quite clearly, you have a very long record. Even Hillary Clinton's approval rating was positive before she started running for office. Like there is a uh, there is a long standing tradition of when you become a politician and everyone has to either vote for you or vote against you. There's kind of a situation where your approval rating drops, and I would expect that to happen in in a, in an environment like this. And that doesn't even include the fact that you you know Michelle Obama would out, be out there speaking about policy and giving her opinion on the future of the country and talking about how she's been oppressed her whole life or something, and despite living in the White House and maybe returning to it. And like I don't know, I think when she's put in that position where it matters what she thinks and and what she believes don't you think this would change don't you think the 70 percent approval rating oh. would be a, a remnant of the past just I, the second she steps on stage i have to tell you it's it's really cute the way you still believe that americans pay attention and care <laughs> yeah it's an antiquated you know? belief of mine. Uh, yeah. it is kind of, i mean it's cute it really is. It's kind of old-fashioned. Makes me feel like I don't know. We should, we should go to the beach, and I should wear that black and white striped bathing suit, and all the <laughs> women would be in dresses and socks and stuff in the water. Uh, I think that's that's refreshing. It really is. You and that the overall bathing suit did give me a, quite the visual. Uh, I will yeah. say in my mind well, that stripes I will never are lose. Not, <laughs> stripes are really not not good. Not flattering. Like no, me. no. The Glenn Beck Program. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hello, America. Uh, This is great news. Mike Johnson, Speaker of the House, just cemented Kevin McCarthy's debt bomb. Uh, It's it's great. Uh, Johnson, Speaker of the House, just, uh, you know, let it rip over, you know, over the weekend. Dear colleagues, 
this represents the most favorable budget agreement Republicans have achieved in over a decade, which is great. I mean, McCarthy said his debt ceiling deal was the largest cut that Congress has ever voted on, uh, even though it led to a $2.6 trillion increase in the debt in just a little over six months. No big deal. So best in a decade. I mean, what can we do in a decade? Maybe, maybe we only do a trillion dollars more in debt. I I don't know. Um, But it's uh, very exciting to know that they have no, no intention in in any way, shape or form of controlling this behemoth monster. Also, there was a story that came out uh, over the weekend and I wanted to get Carol Roth on about it. Almost a quarter of all jobs added in 2023 didn't actually exist. That meaning that means one fourth of all jobs that they the Biden administration has been touting we're growing jobs like crazy. A quarter of them weren't actually there. Now, how can something like this happen? Well, it seemingly to me, an outsider, it seems like it could happen pretty easily. But only if one thing were true, and that is you're in some sort of a catastrophic economic fall and going into a recession and the government fails to recognize it. But that's just an outsider looking in. Let me talk to an expert in 60 seconds. First, our sponsor is My Patriot Supply. When it comes to being prepared for a disaster like, I don't know, a Republican not getting into office, you know, in the uh, Oval Office. Maybe that would be one of those things. Yeah, there's no time like the present to prepare. In a situation where food is hard to come by, you'll be glad you got ready for it in advance. And there's so many things that could go wrong. My Patriot Supply is the nation's leader in high-quality emergency food, and they provide the perfect way to have peace in mind for your family. They'll help you prepare for the worst uh, ahead of time while still hoping for the best. You can get started today by going to MyPatriotSupply.com. You can save $200 on an essential three-month emergency food kit. Over the years, My Patriot Supply has helped millions of Americans be prepared, and I and my family are just one of them. They're sealed inside an ultra-durable pack. Uh, The delicious meals uh, last up to 25 years, 2,000 calories a day, $200 in savings right now with their three-month emergency food kit. Get one for every member of your family. It's MyPatriotSupply.com. That's MyPatriotSupply.com. Order by 3 p.m. today and get free same-day shipping. MyPatriotSupply.com. Carol Roth, the author of You Will Own Nothing, former investment banker who uh, went legit, uh, got off Wall Street, and uh, started talking about Main Street. Hi, Carol. How are you? Doing well, Glenn. Thanks for legitimate, uh, legitimatizing. <laughs> I yeah. guess is the right yeah. word. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't understand the job report and how you can make an, uh, a mistake this massive over the entire year. Well, as uh, Mark Twain, it's attributed to him anyway, said there are three three types of uh, lies lies damn lies and statistics and you know this goes back to how data is collected 
how it's modeled, how it's manipulated, how it's revised, and why it, it makes absolutely no sense. Um, I have seen the the different reports, and yes, there has been massive downward revisions. Obviously, we just got the first December number, so only 11 months uh, of last year have been reported, and 10 out of the 11 months have been revised downward. The scope of that, um, I've looked at multiple smart people's analysis. It's anywhere from 14% to 24%. There's a piece everyone agrees on. There's another piece that uh, I can't tell if people are possibly double counting. But either way, it's, it's just a massive shift. And the, the strange thing here is that, you know, you expect data to be revised based on how it's collected but you know, usually that averages out over time. You know, maybe it's not a perfect amount, but like in 2022, the revisions, I think it was revised, uh, you know, downwards maybe for five months and then with upward revisions and no revisions, when you mm-hmm. netted it out, it was only off by 66,000. Having 10 out of 11 months being revised downward um, is either an, an oddity it's lazy or nefarious. Those are your three choices. Pick whichever your favorite door is for let's make a deal. Okay. So, so, but what I understand is if you, when you're revised, when you have to revise, you take that into account, especially if it's repeated a couple of months in a row, you start to change the algorithm and you're like, no, it's slowing. Things need to be slowed down there because that's what we keep seeing. So it's, it's not unusual to miscount for a while because you're not actually counting. It is a projection. Um, But if you're doing it for a year, it shows like you said, you're either lazy or you're, you're um, you're trying to cook the books because you should have made those uh, adjustments. And what would account for this is that we're going into a recession. Is that true? Um, that's one possible interpretation. I think it's helpful perhaps for people to understand, you know, how this data is collected and massaged because we have these different methodologies, right? We have the, what was called the non-farm payrolls or the establishment survey, which is that headline number that everyone focuses on. Right. Um, what they do is they only look at the, the payroll records of, the last time I checked, it was like just shy of 150,000 businesses and government agencies. And then they take that and they put it through seasonal adjustments and, you know, all the different kinds of models to come up with their projection. But then there's an entirely different survey called the household survey or the current population survey, which only goes out to about 60,000 households and they're getting their employment status and the demographic data. And it's very different because in the household survey, they're saying, are you employed? But when they go out to these businesses, they say, how many people are on the payroll? So first of all, the household survey captures things like agricultural workers, people who are self-employed, which we know is a huge portion of the population Mm -hmm. that don't have corporations, you know, some other small groups. The establishment survey doesn't even have any of that. And if you have multiple jobs and you show up on multiple payrolls, you're counted multiple times in that survey. Right. So the the data is, is bastardized. And I would argue not even relevant to how our country's economy is run, given the, the large amount of, of self-employment we have. 
But with all of that, we've seen, Glenn, a record high of almost 8.7 million people who are holding down multiple jobs. We are seeing a loss. And again, the time period is disputed. But, you know, over over recent months of 1.5 million full time workers and adding 796,000 part time workers. So going back to your question of, of recessionary trends. You know, those are things that would make you scratch your head and say that's moving in the wrong direction. But who's picking up the slack for that? Well, that is the government and the government jobs. We keep getting, you know, yes. I think the last three months, like 50,000 government jobs on average for the last few months. Like that's not sustainable. And those are don't, don't have the same level of productivity because they are paid for by our tax dollars and or the printing of money. So all of those scenarios don't look great in terms of the trends for the economy. So we haven't seen the numbers for December, um, but uh, 216,000 jobs were added. This has not been revised yet. And 52,000 of those were government jobs, um, which brought us to an all-time high of 23 million employees for the federal government. It's an astounding, but, but, astounding what, number. What I want to say on that is that, as I said, you know, December, we've just gotten the first uh, print. We haven't gotten a revision to it. Same thing with ev- the, the pr- previous periods. They keep revising that down. That means not only is it 52 over you know, 216,000, but if they revise that down, it means it's going to be even a larger percentage Correct. that is government jobs. And that's what we've been seeing in terms of the trend is that the government and all of this deficit spending that you know we're paying for in terms of inflation in our lives um, you know, is really what's creating the differential. But, you know, it's, what's, what's crazy is jobs hasn't even been the issue. You know, they keep touting that this is jobs and look at how many jobs were created, even though many of them were reclaimed, not created from, you know, when they shut down the economy. Uh, but that really hasn't been the issue for quite some time for people. It's really been the inflationary pressures and the cost of living, which is why so many people aren't even tuned into this and don't notice when we have these massive revisions. I have to tell you, I'm in Florida right now. And, uh, and specifically I'm in, in West Palm and, uh, it is, uh, one of the bigger bubbles I have seen. I mean, Florida is a bubble in and of itself. And, uh, here in West Palm, it is, I mean, there, there's a guy I found out at dinner last night. There's a guy who bought up a bunch of houses right on the ocean uh he's he bought 500 million dollars in uh in land and he's building a 500 million dollar house and he's not a saudi uh and uh you know he probably has you know he probably has two or three children so you can understand this but um, right <laughs> you're in florida you're especially in places like this boy it doesn't feel like anything is wrong with uh the economy Right. So that, so this is the haves and the have-nots, and it's part yeah. of what makes it so difficult when we talk about the economy, because what we have witnessed over the last decade and a half is this massive Fed and government policy-induced wealth transfer from Main Street America to the wealthy and wealth-connected. So when you go to the West Palm beaches, when you go to the you know these little bubble areas in Southern California and whatnot, 
you know, the, the prices of real estate are going through the roof. People are driving McLarens and, you know, it, it's this crazy display of wealth that they've gotten through the inflation of the assets because they were these, these massive asset holders at the same time that the people who are on Main Street America didn't have the opportunity to participate in that upside are seeing their cost of living go through the roof and not being able to keep up. So it really is a tale of two different economies. And when you average that out with this massive wealth at the the top, it looks like things are, are, you know, you're kind of moving along. And that's why I don't think that the way that we portray data is fair or gives us really a great sense of what's happening for most of the country and why, you know, some people in the Democratic Party seem to be scratching their heads and going, I don't understand. This is a a fantastic economy. Bidenomics is working great when we know that the middle class has been getting crushed. Well, if you're living in, you know, the Washington, D.C. area, of course, there's lots of employment because the government is employing lots of people. They are. And they're doing it uh, on the backs of adding more debt and more inflationary pressure uh, that has you know, been really what we've been paying for quite literally, uh, particularly over the past couple of years. So there, there is this delusion and it, it's happening on Wall Street. It's happening in these different bubble areas that people who, who are in these areas that have created this tipping of the playing field that has tilted things in their direction, they're going, this is working great. I don't understand why everybody's complaining when they have been doing it at the expense of, you know, free, true, uh, fair, fair uh, and free, uh, true capitalism that, you know, has been impacting the lives of, of the people who are, are working and who are the backbone of our economy. So I, I'm I'm driving in some of these neighborhoods. I was driving by um, uh, Mar-a-Lago yesterday, and that was from the 1920s. A lot of these homes that are huge like this were from the 1920s, and those were the Jay Gatsby, you know, F. Scott Fitzgerald days. And and I started thinking, when did the Newport, Rhode Island thing fall apart? Was that during the Depression when people started like? not living like that anymore? Do you know? I don't think so, because uh, just being a, um, you know, a, a, a Jackie Kennedy researcher, you know, and, and if you think about all the time that they, that their family and uh, the Kennedys spent out at the Hammersmith farm where she got yeah. married and that whole area, that was pretty extravagant. Um, and, and their marriage was like in the, you know, the early 50s, 53 ish. So I don't think it was at that point in time. Hmm. Mm. Um, all right. Um, there was uh, something else that I want to get to. Uh, can we take a quick break and then we'll come uh, right back uh, in just a minute? Stand by. We're talking to Carol Roth about the economy. First, let me tell you about Relief Factor. Uh, if you've noticed when you're in pain, it's hard to concentrate uh, to do just about anything. And it's practically impossible to enjoy whatever you're doing. Pain is a monster constantly trying to eat you alive. And even having the will to fight that monster is sometimes too much. I know because that's the way it used to be for me. Uh, It doesn't have to be. I got my life back. Now, this doesn't work for everybody. It's a supplement that helps your body fight that pain by fighting inflammation. And it's 100% drug-free, developed by doctors to help reduce or eliminate pain. And over a million people have tried Relief Factor's Quick Start Kit. 70% of them have gone on to order it again and again. So see how their Relief Factor can help you get the three-week Quick Start. 
Sports. 1995 comes with the Relief Factor Feel Better or Your Money Back Guarantee. So give it a try. ReliefFactor.com. ReliefFactor.com. Or you can call the number 800-4-RELIEF. 800-4-RELIEF. ReliefFactor.com. 10 seconds. Station ID. So I don't know if you saw the uh, Wall Street Journal today, um, but uh, the headline, do you have that headline by any chance, Stu? Uh, don't have it handy, no. Yeah, the headline was, the latest dirty word in corporate America, ESG. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, it says, following the years of simmering investor uh, backlash, Political pressure and legal threats over environmental, social, uh, and uh, governance. Uh, a number of businesses, corporate, uh, have shed ESG. Now they're just calling it corporate responsibility. Is this a win, Carol, or is this just a shell game again? So I would, can I answer both? Can I give okay. all of the above? <laughs> okay. Um, I definitely think that there is. Some win, and I think the part that we need to take to heart is that by you know, the noise that you've made, Glenn, and others have made, and the action that your listeners and others have taken in, in talking about this and really putting it under a microscope, um, has has given pushback to corporate America. And they're seeing that it's not only not working, that it's detracting from their businesses, even BlackRock, which we know has been sort of patient zero in the U.S. of ESGS. They're laying off a bunch of employees, something around 600 employees, mainly in their ESG division because of the pushback. So I do think that piece is a victory, um, but it's kind of like the ant problems that many of us have in our house that, you know, you can spray for them and kill them in one season, but they're going to come back out the next season. So you yeah. still have to bring the, 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 the exterminator out again. And unfortunately, yeah. that's the case with ESG and something that you and I had um, begun to talk about. You actually brought it to my attention with these natural asset companies that are looking to, you know, same kind of thing, bastardize capitalism, use corporate money, use pension money to buy control um, or management of lands, whether those be public or private, to try to take them out of productive use, threatening our food, our land, and our water. So insanity. They they decided to wait on that, right? They didn't say... No, they're not going to do it. They decided to wait. The SEC decided, correct? Well, so so they were due with the rule January 2nd, and they've extended the comment period to January 18th. I've sent comments. I've actually posted them on my Twitter feed. If anybody wants to say it, they're welcome to copy and paste and send them in to the SEC or to anyone, uh, you know, whether it be their representatives, whether it be their state treasurers, whether it be their governors. Um, I know that Marlo Oaks from Utah, who you've had on the program, is you know one of the, the key voices against this. Yeah. Um, and you know that we need more people like that because not only do we need the SEC to say no, the New York Stock Exchange can't list them. That's just one way these groups can access capital. It doesn't mean that NACs don't exist. It doesn't mean they can't go to the private market or sovereign wealth funds, you know, privately to try to to go and do this. So we really do need legislation 
that says this is something that needs to go away. So a little bit of a celebration, Glenn, but the job isn't done yet. (laughs) Right. So let me, if I may, invite you back on tomorrow because I want to talk about that very thing because most people don't have any idea what we're talking about. It's something that's new, came out right around the holidays. And it is one of the most diabolical schemes to shut farming and everything else down and control the land all across America, unlike anything I've ever seen before. Um, And we'll talk about that tomorrow. Carol, thank you so much. God bless. Glenn Beck. American Financing, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Okay, I want you and your family set for a strong 2024. You want it too. Interest rates have fallen and American financing can help you access the equity in your home at an interest rate in the fives now. That's a much lower rate than the average double-digit credit card percentage rate. Now think about how much money you could be saving every single month. That is what a simple phone call can do with American financing. If you've been buried in high-interest credit card debt, now is the time to break free. American Financing help is only a phone call away, so don't put it off. Call them today. The the, uh, salary-based mortgage consultants that work at American Financing will help you. They don't work for the banks. They work for you. You can save an average of $854 every single month. That's what the average person in this audience is saving, $854 a month a way to start out the new year and put yourself on strong footing. You might also be able to delay up to two mortgage payments. So call American Financing at 800-906-2440. 800-906-2440. AmericanFinancing.net. And it's BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. The promo code Colony Ridge. You'll save 30 bucks off Blaze TV. You've gone into restaurants lately and you've been shocked at the price of anything. Soup to sandwiches to steak, anything. You you can fall into what's going on. This is a scam. How can a BLT be 16 bucks? We wanted to get Brian Will on. He's a serial entrepreneur, two-time Wall Street Journal bestselling author, leading consultant in business and sales management management. He's he's founded seven different com, uh, country uh, companies across four distinct industries. Um, he is currently uh, the head of uh, a chain of restaurants, uh, and uh, they are the Derby Sports Bar, Cantina Loca. Uh, the Tavern House in Central City Tavern. You might have one in your town. He is also in his spare time uh, a member of the city council in the town of uh, Alpharetta, Georgia. I hope we have time to talk about that a little bit. Um, But he was just on talking about the price of a BLT on uh, Varney and Company. And everyone on my staff, uh, Brian, found that fascinating on how you broke that down. How you doing, Brian? I'm good, Glenn. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. So, so can you break this down? Why should why should we look at the price of sixteen dollars for a BLT and say, okay, I understand it. It's reasonable. 
Yeah, this whole conversation, uh, Glenn, started with a friend of mine who sent me this text when he was sitting in my restaurant saying, hey, Brian, uh, I'm sitting here eating your BLT and it's $16. You know, it's only bacon, lettuce, tomato and bread. Hmm. And I said, you know, Dan, let me break this down for you. I want to give you some perspective. That sandwich might cost $16, but we've got $20,000 of rent in that building. We've got $6,000 of utility. We've got $60,000 of payroll. And then we've got our general OPEX expenses that all have to get paid for out of the gross profit margin in that sandwich. And so we actually did a breakdown on that. If you'd like to hear this little breakdown. I do. I do. That, six, that $16 sandwich has about $5 of actual food cost, which leaves about $11 of gross profit. But out of that 11 $2 of that goes towards rent and utilities. $2.50 goes towards we call our fixed operational expenses like the TVs and the music and the mats and the towels and all that stuff. Labor to make that sandwich is $4.50, which only leaves me a profit of $2. So on a $16 sandwich, I have $2 of actual net profit that I get to keep unless or until something breaks or something goes wrong. That's my, that's my gross potential net profit. So, so how many BLTs do you have to sell to be able to keep your doors open. Yeah, so I was laughing about that. If you take our $86,000 a month in general uh, expenses, figure in a 30% food cost, we got to sell 93,000 sandwiches a year to get to zero. Every restaurant has a break-even point. The break-even point in that restaurant is about $1.5 million a year. So if I do $1,499,000 in revenue, I lose 1000 bucks. Everything above 1.5, we can make a profit margin on. But if you never get to the 1.5, you're just spinning your wheels. So what has changed? I mean, it's not just the price of food, is it? No, food has gone up, but our biggest increase in expenses has been labor. If you remember, obviously, mm. when COVID hit and everybody's getting all these extended unemployment benefits, when we came out of COVID and tried to bring people back, they didn't want to come back to work. Right. So we immediately went to a $15 minimum, and that's for kids coming out of high school. And this was three years ago. That's now jumped up to about a sixteen fifty. So I have people with zero experience, 18 years old, come to work for me, and we start them out at $33,000. Where our Jeez. chefs are now at 60000 60000 Our managers are now at seventy to 80000 So if you look at my restaurant three years ago, we were paying 500000 for labor on $2.9 million in revenue. Today we pay six hundred and fifty thousand for labor on two point five million of revenue. My revenue's down three fifty and my labor's up hundred and fifty. And that's why we have to keep driving the price of these things up. Everybody wants to get paid and they want a big salary. They want a living wage, but all that does is drive everything up. At some right. point we still have to make a profit. This is uh, this is what happened in Seattle, except they did it by choice. When Seattle raised the minimum wage, I don't remember what it was, to, I think 15 or $16 an hour, all the restaurants said, we, we can't afford this. And a lot of them yeah. left, closed, closed shop and left Seattle. Some of them stayed um, and some of them just went out of business because of it. But that's not the only cost. You now have food going up. You have labor going up. Rent. Util- is- utilities went up 40%. Just our gas and electric, right? Our insurance went up 40%. Everything is, I mean, the whole supply chain from us down, everybody's Wait, costs go up and that compounds. Why did insurance go up 40%? 
because they can? I mean, I don't, that's a good question. <laughs> because you have right. no choice but to buy it, because if you don't buy it, you can't stay in business. So it goes up, you know. It's, uh, it's crazy is... how much costs have gone up. So how do you see us weathering this? You know, business is interesting. I, I have a picture in my office of a guy on a tightrope. And he's got that big, long bar, right, that goes on yeah. both sides. And I always say we have to balance. We're, business owners are on this tightrope, and you have to balance what you can charge on one end with what the consumer is willing to pay on the other. Mm-hmm. And so as long as you can keep that balance, you can stay on the tightrope and stay in business. But if you charge too much, they stop coming, you fall off. If you don't charge enough, you get more business at a loss, you go out of business. So there's always a balance. And in our case, we've made sure we put our locations in what we call high traffic areas. So we're getting, you know, organic traffic running around our, our restaurants, which uh, helps us drastically. But you look at these small operators that are out there, you know, fighting uh, all these costs that don't have that organic type of traffic. Um, and that's why they're going under. I mean, you're a serial entrepreneur. What do you hear from entrepreneurs that are just beginning today? I mean, it's a, a completely different world. Can you make it? It is. It, 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 it's a different world in a lot of ways. And I, I actually do a lot of sales and management training. And one of the other things we know in today's environment is there's so much information online that people can research almost anything before they ever walk in your door. And they already know what your competition's charging. They already know what they should be paying. And so, again, you're back to this balance of you either need to create something that's extremely unique that will drive people in and make them want to buy from you or your chances of success are diminished greatly. So it, I called COVID the great washout, Glenn. All the weak operators that used to, to th- be able to make it because we were in a booming economy, when mm-hmm. COVID hit, it just washed out all those weak operators and only left the ones that are strong. Now you've got people that are coming in behind us and trying to come in and undercut, but all they're going to do is lose all their money and go out of business and, and hurt the rest of us. It's, it's, uh, it's an interesting time to be in business. But if you were a, a true entrepreneur, it washed out a lot of people who were just, you know, my dad used to have his own bakery and it, that is hard keeping that afloat. A, you know, a one little one man shop uh, in yep. whatever you're doing. And, and food is the worst uh, at that. Yep. It wiped out a lot of people who were just working for themselves yeah, just working for themselves and only making enough money to live on. And most of the people that got washed out didn't have any financial security behind them. Savings, you know, they, they just weren't able to weather that bump, uh, which is one of the things I teach entrepreneurs today is you better have enough security behind you that if the next COVID comes along or if something weird happens, you're not going to get wiped out at the drop of a hat. We, we laid off 150 people in one day in March of 2020. It was it was a horrible day. Wow. Your uh, your thoughts of what's coming in 2024? Any insight on? Yeah, I've had this question a good bit, and I have friends in the M&A field, and I, I see everybody waiting to see what's going to happen with this election. Um, mm-hmm. it, we just don't know what's going to happen. I, I think if, if, you know, if Biden gets elected again, he doesn't have to worry about getting reelected. So who knows what's going to happen, you know, with the people pulling the strings up there in Washington and what they're going to do. Uh so I, I think we're in a tenuous time right now, particularly in small business, um, that we need to be very careful and we need to be keeping some powder dry to keep us safe just in case if, something else pops up. If Donald Trump 
were to be elected, he doesn't go to jail, and the left doesn't set the country on fire. Better or worse for business? If he can start taking some of these regulations away, if he can start making it easy for us to get those interest rates back down. I mean, the other issue we have, and I love this this topic. I did a, a video on it the other day about inflation. Inflation is going to affect us forever, right? We had a 5%. We had an 8%. Even if it's 3%, that doesn't mean prices are going down. Correct. Right. That means they've just compounded, right? They're, they're never going back down. Maybe they won't go up as much, but they're not going back down. People get very confused on, on how that works. But if we can get the economy booming again to where people aren't afraid to spend their money and they aren't, you know, hoarding it, trying to wait to see what's going to happen, then people go out and they'll have more fun. They'll spend more money. And I think we'll all be okay. It's just uh, take a little bit of time. Yeah. Brian, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Cool. Glenn, I appreciate you having me. You bet. Bye-bye. Brian Will, he's an entrepreneur and uh, explaining uh, what is really going on. It's it's going to get harder and harder for people to see uh, and and easier and easier for politician politicians to create boogeymen uh, and say, you know, it's these evil store owners, it's these evil whatever, when in reality – uh, all of the regulations, just what's happening with meat in California is truly terrifying. Stu, would you write down, I'd love to get somebody from, you know, the pork producers or the uh, beef producers of America to explain to America the dilemma that they are in right now. Chicken producers, anybody who's producing eggs, all of this. California just passed a law before the new year, and it's now in effect that um, animal pens have to be a certain size. If the pork and beef producers, pork producers say, if we have to put this in, then uh, that's going to cost about $3,500 a head for every pig. And uh, that would obviously put us out of business or raise the price skyrocket. And so they're, they're, they're put into this position to where they either are not going to sell to California, which is a big buyer, or they have to abide by California law, and that will cost the entire country more money because they have to uh, build all of these different uh, pens and barns and and everything else. I personally, and I, you know, I'm a. I'm in a different situation than any of the other farmers are or ranchers are, but I personally would say, screw you, California. Um, I, I'm tired of California dictating to us what we can and cannot do. That is a failed system. And what it, why we're allowing it to drag all of us into that failed system is beyond me. It's not going to last because it can't. Numbers are numbers. Math is math. It just can't continue. But we'll have more on that uh, coming up. First, let me tell you about Blinds.com. This year, why not change the look of your home in a big and impressive way without spending a big and impressive amount of money with custom window treatments from Blinds.com? They have so much to choose from, and you can do it all from the comfort of your own home and get the upfront quote online with no hidden fees. Yes, that means you get to skip that long in-home consultation and cut directly to the chase. And you can either do all the measuring and installation yourself or just get Blinds.com to come out and do it for you. 
if they do, there is just one low installation cost. No matter how many windows you get covered, you can do your whole house or one window and you just pay one flat cost. There's a reason why Blinds.com is the industry leader on window treatments. So this year, toast to Blinds.com. Their free shipping, 100% satisfaction guarantee. It's the year to make a better way with Blinds.com. Shop right now and you'll get up to 45% off. That's 45% off for a limited time now at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Get even more, Glenn. Subscribe to the Glenn Beck Podcast anywhere podcasts are found. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Well, see if this uh, sounds familiar. Farmers commenced a week of planned protests on Monday while government officials warned that far-right groups are attempting to co-opt the movement for their own political uh, ends. The farmers began the day blocking roads uh, in response to a government proposal to revoke key tax privileges. Uh, The government said, quote, right-wing extremists and other enemies of democracy are trying to infiltrate and uh, instrumentalize the protests. Uh, Apparently, these crazy farmers are rioting to trigger an overthrow of the government. My gosh, when will they learn? Now, these are German farmers, and what they're protesting about is the government has overspent, uh, and just the cupboard is bare. They can't cut anymore, so they are are uh, doing a couple of things. They're uh, getting rid of some of the tax benefits for farmland, uh, which is going to be hard for the farmers, seeing that they're not wealthy people to begin with. Uh, And then the second thing is they want to phase out diesel fuel, which is going to go really, really well for all of that equipment uh, that they have purchased that uses diesel. Uh, So it's another part of the green agenda. Uh, And uh, we're going to see it here in our country. But again, the farmers are saying they're putting us out of business. We just want you to know that means you starve to death. But uh, government officials, I'm sure, are okay with that. So we got that going for us. Stu, back to you. Well, there's nothing, there's no vegetables in German food. So in theory, they probably could survive uh, for at least a while. You know, I think you Um, might be right right on that. mm -hmm. I I think you might be right. (laughs) It is bizarre. I keep hearing this reported, and I don't know if it's targeted to me to make me feel not so empathetic to their cause, but it keeps being reported as government subsidies are being cut to farmers and they're complaining about getting, basically not getting free money from the government. But the way you describe that is a little bit different than that coverage. Yeah, well, they're they're losing their tax uh, advantages, uh, which I guess some would call subsidies, you know, uh, losing their tax advantages. And I'm sure they are losing some subsidies. But remember, this is a socialistic style government uh, over there. And the problem is they know that the government is trying to put farmers out of business all over Europe and the they won't stand program. for it.
entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck program. So uh, the what's interesting is the Washington Post has just come out and was was talking about uh, you know uh, Secretary Austin leaving an intensive care uh, amid the growing scrutiny of the Pentagon's secrecy. Um, it's it's weird. Uh, they said the handling of the situation. Uh, Pentagon officials said that it's you know it's it's not necessarily the best thing that uh, has happened by not informing the president that he was in ICU for about a week. Um, but internally, some uh, frustrated officials have complained, saying that the handling of the incident showed unbelievably bad judgment on Austin's part. And I think that would be a first where he showed bad judgment. Officials in the White House and the Pentagon, according to the Washington Post, in a voice that is really uh, one of the people, vowed Monday to remo- to review the lapses in communication that led to this imbroglio. Now, I would say imbroglier myself, uh, but uh, or hullabaloo, but all of those things are, you know, what the people on the streets say all the time, Washington Post. So thanks for keeping us in touch with the uh, with the everyday people. We have Chris Stewart joining us, um, and we're going to talk about this. He is a he is a guy who is uh, has been very involved with the Defense Department and knows. Does this kind of stuff happen all the time? Chris Stewart joins us in sixty seconds. Stand by. All right. First, let me tell you about uh, Car Shield. Imagine if one of the first things you did in the new year was to make sure you never had to worry about how much a car repair was going to cost. Be a great way to start 2024, right? Right? Especially when you consider the cost of everything, including car repairs. It's only getting more and more expensive. That's what happens uh, when you don't have a plan with CarShield. You can lock in your price right now for car repairs, and it will never go up. I've literally had thousands of dollars of repairs covered by them, and the price doesn't change. CarShield offers protection plans for around $100 a month, and they cover more parts than ever before, covering your alternator to big ticket items like your transmission. Whether your car has 5,000 or 150,000 miles on it, CarShield has a plan for you. This year, choose coverage through CarShield. Go to carshield.com slash Beck. That's carshield.com slash Beck. Or call 800-227-6100. 800-227-6100. Carshield.com slash Beck. Save 20%. Now, Stu, I don't, I don't want to speak out of turn, but uh, I have heard the reason uh, Secretary of Defense, you know, he, he, he doesn't want to say why he was in the hospital. It was for elective surgery. And uh, I've heard a lot of people joke about this. What does he have in transgender surgery? I mean, what, what, why not just share what you have? And, and to be clear, that's wrong to do because uh, that's not elective. Uh, no. Transgender surgery is the most important thing you can do yes, for your it's health. it's not an elective. This is. Uh, and uh, so I, I understand that he was uh, in for, I think, a fourth time for penile reduction surgery. Um, he just... He just wants it very, very small. Um, and I think his exact quote was, Doc, make it smaller than it is when I'm in a cold pool. And the first four or five times he did this, uh, they couldn't get it small enough. And so he was in one more, take one more stab at it. 
So I don't I don't know that that's necess- necessary per se. Is that confirmed with mm-hmm. this report? No, but I have it on <laughs> you know pretty good you know pretty good sources. Pretty it's helpful. Sources. Yeah, thank helpful. you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Stewart is with us now. Hello, Chris. How are you? Glenn, that's twice you've made me really laugh this week, but how am I supposed to follow that kind of thing? <laughs> well, I don't, I, I didn't mean to make you laugh. I'm just trying to tell the truth. I, I think that's no, no. what he was in for, but I'm not, I'm not entirely well, sure. Um, a couple but, of days uh, ago, you gave us flowers out in the garden or something, and I was laughing as well. So it's good to be with you. Yeah, good. So Chris, um, I mean, I immediately thought of you when I read this uh, over the weekend uh, because, you know, you, you know a lot about how the Pentagon works and, you know, how, how uh, the military works. And uh, I haven't seen a Secretary of Defense kind of go missing for a week and nobody really noticed. Have you? Yeah. Well, it, let's just say it's unusual. Uh, yeah. But who's, who's surprised about this, Glenn? I mean, you talked about the judgment. I would add, in addition to it, it displays his poor judgment, the arrogance that the secretary has demonstrated again and again. But it's perfectly on brand for his leadership and for the Biden administration. And one thing I would emphasize, Glenn, and that I think some of your listeners may understand, but not all of them, and that is the culture and the expectations of the military. They're different than it is in the civilian world. You give military members tremendous trust because you give them tremendous power. But that demands certain behavior, and one of those is that you just don't show up at work, you know, without telling someone, without, you know, telling the people who are going to cover for you, without telling your boss. If a young sergeant or a young lieutenant did that, they'd be facing severe repercussions. And yet he didn't show up. He didn't tell the assistant secretary, who, as everyone knows now, was, was vacationing in Puerto Rico. She didn't even know. And worse, he didn't tell his boss. Or may, I don't know, maybe he told Biden and, and maybe President Biden forgot, because that would be a possible explanation as well. But it's just so out far outside the norms of what you would expect from any responsible person, let alone, for heaven's sakes, the Secretary of Defense. Well, did, I mean, we are currently, uh, you know, uh, shooting down like they're clay pigeons, um, uh, missiles from you know the uh, the uh, Houthis and and the Iran proxies. I mean, our ships are kind of busy right now. Is there no in a week? Is there no thought that maybe somebody might call in and say, "Hey, what should we do?" Yeah, yeah. So not only the ongoing you know skirmishes we're having with the with the Houthis, which is a whole nother conversation, by the way. But, you know, there's also the efforts that we have in the war in Gaza. Uh, there, who's coordinating with the Israel Air Defense Ministers on, on those efforts? What about the fact that we had a strike uh, uh, into Baghdad during this week on January 4th? Who coordinated that? Uh, I mean, that's the kind of thing that if you're going to strike in Baghdad, my understanding was that the Secretary of Defense would be the final arbiter for that decision and, and as a minimum would have been informed on it. And apparently that didn't happen. Uh, these are the so, kinds of things that you have to have leadership from inside the Pentagon. And it turns out that just simply wasn't happening. And by the way, Glenn, if you'll allow me, that's not the first time because everyone, I mean, I've, I've said the secretary should resign immediately after the debacle in Afghanistan. Again, oh, yeah. after the kind of balloon, the fact that we have not met our recruiting goals 
All of these things fall on his shoulders. He should have resigned two years ago. So who's actually running things, Chris? Hmm. Yeah, people ask that question all the time, both about the White House and in some cases about the Pentagon. Well, I think absent or uh, aside from his absence this last week that, you know, this general is running things. I've, see, I've seen it reflected in in the decisions they make or the lack of decisions or the poor decisions. Now, if you ask about who's running the White House, I, I truly don't know. And we used to say that, Glenn, is kind of a joke, but now we say it very right. seriously because you look at this president and you know that he doesn't have the capability to to be running the, the most powerful government in the world. So then who is? But there's no question Secretary Austin's running the Pentagon, again, short of last week. And you see it reflected in the decisions that they make in the poor judgment that is that is now filtered down through the entire Pentagon, through the entire Department of Defense. And it breaks my heart to see the institution that I spent much of my life serving, and so did my brothers and my fathers and now our nephews and nieces, to see it so abused by by arrogance and, and judgment that just isn't up to what these fine young men and women deserve. Well, I understand why he, you know, didn't want to talk about the penile reduction surgery. Um, but well, if it wasn't that, let, let's just say it wasn't that, why not, why not say why you're going in? What's the big deal? Yeah. <clears throat> well, so, you know, if, if people, and I have, I have an understanding of this, Glenn, as you know, that I recently re- resigned from Congress because of the health concerns with my wife. So I'm, I'm sensitive to the fact that there, you know, in a in a day that is very very public, or when you serve in a public position, that uh, you know there are sensitivities regarding health concerns. I, I get that, but you don't hide it. I mean, so maybe we don't need to know why he went in for elective surgery. But if you have a reaction that puts you in intensive care, that's different, and that has to be discussed. And and if you're not going to discuss the reasons why. And I and I think again, being in intensive care just kind of demands an answer. But if you're unwilling to talk about that, you still have to tell people, "Here I am," and don't worry because my assistant secretary knows I'm here. No, she didn't. Uh, and don't worry because my boss, the president of the United States, knows and has made accommodations. No, he didn't. Uh, I mean, th- that's the minimum that we would expect is communications about it. And one last thing on this, Glenn, and I think this is important. The secretary doesn't disappear into a hospital and not have a large team yeah. of people know that. I mean, he, he was certainly accompanied in the hospital with probably more than a dozen people, maybe several dozen. And none of them acted uh, responsibly either. Some of them should have raised their hand and said, hey, the American people and uh, leadership at the White House deserves to know where we are today. Uh, Chris, thank you so much. um, I want to ask you about um, your your look at 2024. I'm going to give you a second to think about it uh, as I do a commercial. But what are we facing in 2024 that keeps you awake at night or makes you feel good that this is coming our way? We'll talk about that in 60 seconds. First, let me tell you about Jace Medical. Jace Medical is a company that I found a few years ago. They actually found me, uh, and I went in to meet with everybody at their uh, at their plant. And I have to tell you, 
they started telling me what they do. And they said, this is what we're launching, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, you have solved a problem that I have tried to solve for 20 years. And that is I have, you know, medication for my family. My two daughters both have seizures. They need to have their seizure medication. What happens if there's a breakdown in the supply chain? What do I do for medication? They said, that's what we do. Jace Medical, jacemedical.com. It's a personalized emergency medication kit. It first starts with five essential antibiotics, which treat the most common and deadly bacterial infections. Customizable, dozens of add-on medications available. You can choose the ones that benefit you and your family. They also have an ivermectin as an add-on option. You can get gift cards for your family or loved ones so they can get and customize Jace cases for themselves. You can have up to a year's worth of supply of your medication. You just go online, fill out a form, you get a prescription, life-saving medication delivered right to your door. Just go to jacemedical.com, enter the promo code PREPARED at checkout. It's jacemedical.com. Make sure you use the promo code PREPARED at checkout and you'll get a discount. 10 seconds, station ID. Chris Stewart is with us. Chris, you've been a congressman. Uh, you've you've worked uh, in intelligence. You have been um, with um, the uh, the services forever. You and your family. What do you look at now and say? This is something that keeps me up, or this is something that I keep looking at and saying, well, "That's good." There's some good news coming. Yeah. Well, okay, let me do the good news, uh, because I do think that we are on a tactical basis, which is we haven't won the war, but we've won a few battles. So I do I do think we are turning uh, the tide on some things. You mentioned earlier about ESG or, yeah. or uh, you know, some of the some of the real, you know, kind of battles, uh, social battles that we've had. And I think people are just exhausted by it. And frankly, I think they're sickened by it. And, and we are winning on a couple of those things. And I think we're going to it, it, it's going to clearly be one of the primary conversations uh, during the election. And I think, again, we've, we've, we're winning some of those battles, or at least we're yes. slowing some of them down. Uh, but I think this year, Glenn, just has the potential to be oh, just such a, such a mess. And it's, and it's going to hinge on the election. Um, you, you know, Glenn, that uh, the last book I wrote, that you and I have talked about, it kind of, the kind of the premise of that is, is a contested election where we truly, have half the country who just says whoever wins that's he's not legitimate you know he mm-hmm. I, i'll never recognize him as our president and and Pre- president trump is going to be found guilty of some charges it's just almost inevitable we don't know which ones but he will be and then the democrats are going to say look he's a criminal he can't be the president of the united states well we know that's not true the criteria to be the president of the united states is really simple you got to be 35 years old you got to be a citizen and no state no person no other agency or organization can add requirements. That's it. And so the president's going to continue to run, and the Democrats are already setting it up to say, well, two things. Number one is he's, he's a Nazi, he's an authoritarian, and, and, uh, and therefore we can never let him serve. And the second is, you know, he's a criminal. And, uh, and I think, uh, meanwhile, the Republicans look at this and go, well, you all, uh, the projection on this is just beyond irony about them accusing Republicans of being totalitarian when we've seen the history of what they've done. Uh, and I just, 
plan about the election this year. I worry about the chaos and the riots. Uh, I think it's going to make 2020 look like a look like a garden party, or at least potentially could. And then uh, ultimately putting us in a place where there's actual real uh, uncertainty about who is the president. And I, I don't know how our country walks through that without some without some just real pain and deep, deep scars that that would uh, destabilize. I mean, if we were going through that, if I were China, I'd go into Taiwan right away. Yeah, because we yeah. wouldn't we, we would just not have the capability. So you'd lose you'd lose that. Um, any of the bad guys just come after us. I mean, it's it, we're entering that time I talked about in 2008, where all of our enemies will see that we are so weakened that without coordination, they'll just all look at each other and go, now, go, 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 go. Yeah. 100%. 100%. That's a great fear. And, the, and, and you have to recognize that these leaders do watch what's happening internally, and they do take measure of that. It is part of their dynamic. How will the U.S. respond? And how are they going to respond if they're divided or if they're chaotic or if there's uncertainty about who the actual president is? And by the way, the American people will be uh, will be exhausted by this effort as well. And it's much harder for them to say, well, OK, while we're in the midst of all this, yeah, let's go ahead and, and intervene in a war in the South China Sea. And, and here's something else to keep in mind with that, Glenn, that's really important. Uh, most of the wars that we've been involved with for the last generation, very little sacrifice for most Americans. Now, for those people serving, it's incredible sacrifice, but most Americans, it's not. But a war with China, if for no other reason than this, the, the best uh, analysis shows a 9% reduction in GDP from a war in the South China Sea. To give that some measure, uh, there was a 7% reduction during the Great Depression. Every one of us oh will feel gosh. it if we have a war with, with China. And uh, and it won't be the kind of thing where we think, gosh, I pray for our soldiers uh, because they're over there fighting a war. Every one of us will be praying intensely because every one of us will be affected by it. There's no way we could go in and protect Taiwan at this point, is there? Yeah, there actually is, Glenn. I mean, it's very, very difficult. Uh, I mean, the, the hope is that we can we can manage a deterrence, which would you know, convince China it's just not worth the cost, which is, of course, what we're trying to do now. Uh, but, you know, if you think that, uh, you know, or someone who, who would suppose, well, you know, Taiwan won't be nearly destroyed in the effort. And, and as an example of that, so, some of these exquisite chip manufacturers where the world relies on them, they are placed in a position geographically where the focus of the war will be. There's very little chance that they would survive unharmed. And so when you say, well, you know, can we really go in and protect Taiwan? Yeah, we can probably protect the island from being actually militarily taken over. But it's going to, again, it's going to come at a, at a real cost. What happens if you lose those chip plants? What's the world look like? Uh, Oh, well, it's very, very different, obviously. I mean, because those are used not just in our products. They're used primarily in the manufacturing of, you know, millions of products. So that's one of the reasons that you get this 9% reduction in GDP. And it's not just the U.S. It's globally that that has that impact. And it takes years to build that. I mean, it would take 10 years for us to build up that capacity that we would lose the good news is China, it'll take them a generation. They have no capability or very, very limited capability to build it up. It would, it would not be in President Xi's lifetime. So they would be hurt more than we would, but still it would be a dramatic impact on, on the global economy.
is it uh, reasonable to say just let him have it? Just just let him take it. Why defend it? Let him take it. Yeah, it can I mean, control all of those chips, those chip plants. Yeah, some people argue that. And the interesting thing too, Glenn, is that uh, we're going to see what Taiwan thinks next week because they're going to have their election, and there are different views on that. If you do polling in Taiwan. There's a number of them, about 30% of them, who say, yeah, let's just go to China. It's not that big of a deal. Mm. Um, mm. I think it'd be a catastrophe for us to let that happen, though. Yeah. Uh, Chris, thank you so much. Chris Stewart, friend of the program, back in just a minute with more. Hey, everybody, I want to talk to you about my pillow. My pillow just keeps rolling out the amazing deals. And right now, no exception. It's a way of saying thank you for your continued support of the company over the years. And they're offering some crazy deals. The lowest prices ever right now. When you use the promo code Beck, wouldn't it be fun just to be that guy all the time? I mean, not really all the time, but I mean, that is. Hey, everybody, if that was your job, hey, everybody, it's it's crazy Glenn here, and I got to tell you some crazy. Th- oh, my gosh, that's who I am, actually, isn't it? Okay, scratch that good idea thing. When you use the promo code BECK, you're going to get some of the lowest prices ever on MyPillow. You can get 50% off the MyPillow 2.0, or how about 50% off their new flannel sheets? Six-pack uh, six towel set now going for $29.98. Right now, enormous blowout sale, MyPillow.com. Also, you're going to take advantage of free shipping, especially on their larger items, such as the mattress toppers. Made 100% here in the U.S., now on sale, $99.99. MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener special square and uh, and uh, put in my name, Beck. MyPillow.com, 800-966-3117. And check out the new documentary, Colony Ridge, happening this week. It's blazetv.com slash Glenn, promo code Colony Ridge. You know what Chris Stewart said a minute ago about the good news that we are turning the tide. I, I think that is true. I think people know it. They're tired of it. Um, they are tired of it in their schools. They're just tired of it in their life and people are standing up. It's why, you know, if, if you're in power, you need to silence anyone who disagrees with you. We saw today in the wall street journal that the dirty word on wall street now are three letters, E S and G. Uh, and that's because of you. That's because you stood up, you educated your friends and neighbors, and they know the things they want to do are not going to be popular. And that's why they have to shut people up. However, what they didn't count on really is you and also the Internet. They, For some reason, the people who you know made it into a business somehow or another didn't realize that free speech would be dangerous for them and their plans. Let me play something from uh, Cher- uh, Taylor Sheridan and Joe Rogan. And I want you to listen to this. And I want you to remember Joe Rogan, I think is either agnostic or an atheist, um, maybe an atheist, not talking about God an awful lot. Here he is with Taylor Sheridan. Listen to this. Paul Harvey, you know who that is? Sure. So he did a thing God, back in the sixties or seventies and he equated it to the devil. Um, and maybe it is, or you could also say it's 
it's it's just that but he did a radio piece on on how to destroy america the social fabric of it wow and it's and it's as though somebody just took uh america the, the social fabric of america from the late 60s to today and and the timeline of the things that he said it's pretty wicked it's pretty powerful. wow i'm not shocked <laughs> I mean, if you think about all the things that we do to manipulate other countries, I'm not shocked that someone would do that and manipulate us and that they would do it through education institutions. That's the way to do it. You yeah. get kids and then yeah. you train them as they leave and then they go into the workforce. They have these ideas like burned into their heads. Yeah. And that's probably what all this gender confusion is, this, this giant uptick of it. It's literally probably engineered. And I think that's also what a lot of the climate stuff is. And a lot, of the, a lot of the different things that people are fighting over, it's not just these big financial institutions that are, that are invested in climate change and green energy and all these different things. But it's also other countries just f***ing with us. I think that's amazing to hear Joe Rogan talk about this. By the way, if you've not heard the Paul Harvey, uh, If I Were the Devil, it came out in 1965. It is one of his best pieces of work, and I am a huge fan of Paul Harvey. Listen to what he said, 1965. If I were the devil, if I were the devil, if I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness, and I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population, but I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree, the... So I'd set about, however necessary, to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve. Do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And the old, I would teach to pray after me, our Father, which aren't in Washington. And then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves, until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions, just let those run wild. Until before you knew it, you'd have to have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing. I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbol of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who wanted until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious. And what'll you bet? I couldn't get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich. I would caution against extremes 
in hard work, in patriotism, in moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun, that what you see on TV is the way to be. And thus I could undress you in public, and I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. Isn't that incredible? 1965, Paul Harvey. I, I mean, I don't think there's one thing that's on there, with the exception of the word square, that hasn't been done and, and doesn't ring true absolutely in those words today. Everything. If I were the devil, I'd put my feet up on the desk because I... I'd think I was about to win. What the devil doesn't know is what the devil didn't know in the 1960s. And it didn't know in the 1950s. It didn't know in the Civil War. It didn't know in World War II in Nazi Germany that he never wins. Never, ever. He always gets close. He's... He's always just at the verge of setting the entire world on fire. And a good number of people go right along with him. Because he's the author of lies. Because he's the only author of fear. There is no fear with God. There's faith. There's trust. There's hope with God. Fear doesn't come from any place that the devil doesn't play in. No reason to fear. We know how it ends. The devil is in the details. Our uh, sponsor this half hour is Patriot Mobile. Got a challenge for you. If you're like most people, there are probably some things you'd change about your mobile plan if it wasn't a big hassle to do so. You'd get in there. You'd fiddle around with it. You'd save some money in the process. But it's a big inconvenience. Here's the challenge. Take a bit of time right now or today and call Patriot Mobile. PatriotMobile.com slash Beck. You can go online. I just want you to look at what they have. You might like what they see. On top of, uh, on top of everything that you could possibly want in a mobile plan, saving you money, uh, having the same great coverage, if you found the coverage that you want, they have exactly the same coverage. But they also share your values. They won't send your hard-earned money to aid in the destruction of America. If I were the devil, I would hate Patriot Mobile because one of their missions, their goal, is to glorify God in all ways. They're the only Christian conservative uh, mobile phone company out there. They have affordable plans for your budget, excellent coverage, top-notch U.S.-based customer service, and they're going to make sure that the switch is super easy for you. So make the switch today. PatriotMobile.com slash Beck. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Beck. Or call 972-PATRIOT. Are opinions weighing you down? Call in and let it out. 888-727-BECK. This is the Glenn Beck Program.
Uh, so Joe Biden is already trying to build the presidential campaign around the January 6th insurrection, you know, with his rants against the new Hitler who incited this threat to American democracy. Uh, and uh, it's not really connecting with some of his people. They're down a little bit. Uh, it's a real problem, Glenn. And, you know, I, I know I know some people are going to vote for Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley mm-hmm. or whatever. But when yeah. you talk about the presidency of the United States, you need leadership. Right, and, right. and and that's why um, they're going to have a morale booster party for <laughs> the staff to celebrate right. all the incredible work they've done. And, mm-hmm. and what's happened, Glenn, over the past couple months is that a lot of the people who are working for the White House are asking themselves an important question, which is why doesn't President Joe Biden want to kill all the Jews like I do? Right. And then Joe Biden has responded, well, hey... I understand your concerns. How about a trip to Chuck E. Cheese? We can all get together and have a pizza party and right. play some skee ball right. and get the morale up so that, you know, we can all you forget mm-hmm. about those Jews right. for a little while. For just yeah. a little while. Um, you know, mm-hmm. look, we're all interested in the long term of running away from Israel at full speed and embracing all of the people that want to kill them. But, you know, we need to do that at a slower pace to fool voters going into the 2024 election. Are they, Correct. They might think there's some anti-Semitism there. And, Correct. of course, it's not anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism is what happens when you just blindly hate Jews. The Democrats have hundreds of reasons why they don't like them. So <laughs> it's totally different than anti-Semitism. It's uh, not just blind hatred. No. They no, have, they thought this through. I can, mean, there was a mm-hmm. there was somebody authored a book, and uh, I don't remember when, but it was it had a lot of stuff in about you know how bad the Jews were. Yeah, and, it was about you know, a struggle. Just, it was a real struggle. Yeah, my my struggle. My or struggle. Something. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, it was a book that Democrats seem to be signing up for now these days. Uh, just protest after protest after protest, where mm. they chant the same things that are in that book, and we're all supposed to say, "Well, what about those people in Charlottesville?" At that one time, we saw four people with tiki torches saying bad things, which were bad, and we all said were bad. But now that there's thousands of these rallies every week across the country at every single campus, you'd think maybe it would you'd see a little bit more priority put on that, but apparently not. So, no, if you happen to be at the pizza party, have fun today. I think breadsticks are included. Uh, now, Rich Lowry uh, has uh, written a new column, uh, Brace Yourselves, The Left Will Royal the Country Again If Donald Trump Beats Joe Biden. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I think that's absolutely true. Uh, Lowry said, saving democracy doesn't mean upholding the rules, no matter what, and letting the voters decide on the election and the fate of the next president. No, it means blocking Trump by any means necessary regardless of the consequences for the rule of law, democratic politics, or faith in our system of government. Lowry, who um, is uh, an unabashed Trump uh, Trump basher, uh, tried to be even-handed in his his article here. I don't know if that's a fair uh, summary of... of Oh, you don't think so? I mean... No. I mean, I think he... I I mean... Okay, he did brand it 2020... uh, the 2024 election as a revenge tour. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he's, he's got that. That makes him that. an unabashed Trump basher. I, I mean, I think, I don't think he's a huge fan. I would say that, but I don't think he's an unabashed. I don't think he's a, a mindless Trump opponent. Like some of the people you see in the media by any means. So he goes on uh, to say um, that we are going to have real problems uh, and I think he's absolutely right 
on all of this. Um, he says they are going to do whatever they can to destroy Donald Trump. And he said, uh, left will organize throughout hollowed out one time Western constitutional democracies like Germany and Canada to drive home their dissatisfaction with the American electorate. Uh, expect to see cities set aflame with race baiting Democratic politicians on hand to incite mob violence. Uh, as with the George Floyd riots, corporate press here and among other their counterparts in other Western countries, they'll justify their violence as righteous indignation. And if things really become unruly, the place uh, they'll place all the blame on MAGA Republicans. We're about to become mighty, mighty popular uh, all <laughs> all across the world. I think. How do you, um, and, and if you're the Democrats, let's just say you're a Democrat, and this starts this stuff starts happening, right? Trump wins. And the, the Democrats rise up and start causing chaos all across the country. And let's say you're one of the you're one of the good Democrats and you don't want that chaos. How would you talk your voters out of it? After everything you've told them over the past four to eight years about how basically Hitler has taken over and uh, and they're going to um crack down on minorities overrun the rule of law i mean read the entire we started the show with the op-ed from the new york times today how could you justify not protesting over that person being elected right they've built this entire foundation that the end of the world is coming if this guy wins when they rise up after he wins what happens well see that i think is the difference here they'll claim that we say the same things about uh joe biden and uh, that's kind of true, except our our charges are verifiably true and illegal and everything else. But yeah. uh, and Marxist. That, yeah. Um, but but we're not saying that. We are saying that this uh, will break the United States of America. That we are going to be an entirely new kind of country. But they say that themselves. Joe Biden is going to transform and Barack Obama, the fundamental transformation of America away from capitalism and everything else. So they're saying that what we're saying is it's got to stop. And what we want to have stop is the illegal things that are going on, the corruption that is going on, uh, the lies that are being told, the persecution of anybody who disagrees with our government. But I have to tell you, if I thought that he was duly elected and it was clean, okay, well, that's what the American people decided. I mean, we don't go out in the streets. I mean, it, this this year might be different, but we don't go out in the streets and cause all kinds of chaos because we generally like the country and know what chaos does. That's just not a way the American people do it. But I think we're at the edge here. Um, they have convinced themselves it's the end of the democracy. We're telling the truth that it is the end of the republic. But I think only one side is eager to get violent, and that is the left. And they are organizing for it. Glenn Beck Program.